Oh, forgot my... There we go. Yes. Yes. We're back. It's your boy, Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great Cinema Draft game. Back with where Daily Fantasy Sports meets the movies. And there we go. Get my rundown up. I'd like to welcome a very special guest, a first timer. He's kind of fam of the fam of the pod, new to the Cinema Draft podcast, and hopefully we'll get him into, we'll rope him into the Cinema Draft game. It's retired yet side hustling, Sandy Ward. Hello, all. How are you doing? Yeah. I, I prefer connoisseur of leisure. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. I'm going to use that. Connoisseur of leisure. Sandy Ward. All right. So now tell the people how, uh, how, you, how we know each other. Well, I am the father of the not official therapist <laughs> of the pod, Nicole Ward. TM, yes. <laughs> our, our unofficial therapist of the pod, part of the fan pod. She was on just last week with Momo, Nick and Momo. Uh, the drinking game tonight will be the word tense because our main topic this week will be covering war movies and always those movies always get a brother tense get get my nerves with these movies uh so every time you hear the word tense you know have a drink whatever you're drinking uh are you or what are you drinking tonight uh sandy some some some, some cognac some of the some of the french connection or just straight up water water ah, yeah we're boring aren't we <laughs> all right so to one of my favorite segments what I'm watching. And of course, I mean, this, this might just be a, a weekly thing. I mean, Game of Thrones. I mean, I don't know what to say. Do you watch Game of Thrones, Sandy? Yes, I, I watch it, but I have problems keeping up with who's who because I, <laughs> I, I don't get that deep into it. So <laughs> Ooh, you should. So I, I, I highly advise getting deep. Read more <laughs> to understand the dynamics between the different uh, kingdoms and rulers well, so did you read the books because i sure no, i didn't read the books. okay so there's a there's a podcast called binge mode which is really really good i'm not sure if you're up on podcast but if you actually want to get into all like the backstory and the seven kingdoms and all sort of stuff binge mode is really good because what they do is that they go they rewatched all 60 episodes from the previous six seasons and then are dropping like a new episode with each, you know, or, uh, with each uh, episode that comes out on Sunday on Wednesdays. Yeah, and they dive deep. They bring in stuff from the books. They tell you how everything relates. It's really good if you want to deep dive on Game of Thrones. Yeah. One of the interesting things I found is my, uh, my favorite uh, uh, character is great <laughs> okay good he's still alive all right good right he's he's still alive but also because he has no fear mm. but, but we did uh, we did discover on sunday he has a weakness though <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> this sunday my weakness <laughs> and, that was a great episode so yeah great. and i found it particularly interesting to learn that that he's a uh a singer, producer, and songwriter. Oh, the actor Jacob Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So oh. I, I, they, he has a, some stuff on uh, YouTube. Uh, he does sort of a alternative uh, R and B, sort of like the internet. Oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, it's not like he's got like a, a ton of lines. I mean, he seems like he's on every other episode. Like, I mean, he's got time on his hands, basically. So the only yeah. thing we do seven. I'd episodes. like to see him fight more. You know, maybe screw a couple <laughs> more people. 
<laughs> oh, I, th- I think that's coming up next week, Sandy. Straight yeah. up, telling they're going to Castle Rock, and it was just—I mean, it was just an excellent episode. That whole moment, of course, the one that the internet is talking about—you know, Theon slash Reek, or Theon devolving back into Reek. He's out there, he's fighting, he's battling, and then all it takes is his his crazy murderous uncle having his sister like about to like behead her or something and he's like come on come fight me and he just jumps off the ship what, what how do you feel when you saw that sandy how do you feel about that i i was hoping that one of those uh flaming uh catapult balls would land on him <laughs> he sure deserved it though i mean it was so are you in the camp that's like, well, he's suffering, from, well, as your daughter might say, he's suffering from PTSD. There's no way, I, and by the way, I haven't talked to her about that episode, but I'm sure she might say something along the lines of, oh, he's still suffering from PTSD. You know, we have to be nice to him and everything. Whereas, you know, me, I'm like, he just, he just turned straight bitch, straight bitch made, jumped off the ship, left his, his uh, sister to die. Who does that? Who yeah. does that? Well, plus he was all in up until that point mm-hmm. and 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 then he just punked out so <laughs> <laughs> yeah straight up and, and so and the sand snakes out I, I mean i was reading every time there's an episode i'll watch it and tweet along with it and then later on that night i'll rewatch it and then i'll like start doing some internet deep dives just you know reading like recaps and stuff that you know connects uh, all the you know the the threads in an episode, and I guess I mean they didn't really bother me, but I guess people were excited to see two of the three sand snakes die. I mean, I guess they were kind of annoying, but it didn't really bother me that much. But they were talking about them like 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 <laughs> like like that couple on the second season of Lost that they just kind of dropped in that no one liked. I mean, they were they were, people were happy that the sand snakes got got, and I was like, eh, it didn't really bother me that much. I thought they had a cute little scene with the whole mama thing, you know. Uh, below decks before, but you know now now they're gone. It seems like the internet's happy. Did you have an opinion either way on the sand snakes? Mm, no, I I didn't really have an opinion. I was still trying to figure out who was who, who, who and 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 what they what were they? You know, were they were they supposed to be Arab or Moors or? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're 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 Dornish. They're Westerosi. How about that? <laughs> right, because they're definitely different. In the, I think the 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 mother also was on uh, that show with uh, Idris Elba, where he was a detective oh. in uh, London. Yeah, she, what? What? Oh my goodness, she, she was, was she on. Because now the actress, the act. Actress's name is um, is in, in Indira Varma, and I first yeah. was exposed to her when I actually let me see let me bring this up on uh, on the share, share screen. Indira Varma, I first got wind of her when with this movie, not this movie, this uh, HBO show called Rome, which was lit. I mean, it was lit AF. It was a really good show. It only lasted a couple seasons or something, but. Um, no, well, no, Indira Varma. Let's get Varma. Uh, and and basically, uh, there we go. Yeah, and and I remember her from Rome, and she's done a bunch of stuff. Like she's, you know, and 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 she did uh, that that Kama Sutra movie that Mira Nair directed. And so, so she's been in a lot of stuff. So I I, I totally forgot the, that she was in Luther. That's yeah, right. She first first season. Oh, that's interesting. She was also, I think, on this TV show where she was a. Uh, 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 a billionaire or something, and she hired this guy to be like uh, 
he was like ex special forces and he would go out and you'd beat up the bad guys or something. Oh, I, yeah, I think I saw like one or two episodes of that and I just kind of tapped out. But yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, she's got like a like a like a recognizable face and she's you know gorgeous and everything. So so yeah, so I'm I'm glad she's still alive, but I'm pretty sure Cersei is she's just got I mean because she is the the woman that killed her daughter so I'm sure Cersei's got plans for her next week Cersei's really got plans for her <laughs> oh yes great episode I love it can't wait for next week can't wait for Danny to meet John Game of Thrones we could probably derail the entire podcast on this so I will keep moving something else I'm watching is a show called Ozark on Netflix are you familiar Sandy I just Comes added on. it to my watch list. There you go. I haven't started yet. All right, so so when you get a chance, just well, the trailer's not bad. The trailer actually kind of understates just how, once again, how tense, glug glug, that series is because it's um. And one review I saw uh, painted pretty accurately. It's as if they dropped you in like see after season three of Breaking Bad. So now you're the part where he's making money, you know, and, and everything's like super paranoid and tense. And that's basically what Ozark is: money laundering family. Uh, or this money launderer, you know, moves his family from Chicago to the Ozarks, to the Lake of the Ozarks, uh, to launder $8 million in cash in, like, was it, like, 90 days or something for the second largest uh, Mexican drug cartel. Uh, and if he doesn't, then they will kill his family. <laughs> and it is, the stakes are super high. And then, and it's just the way, I mean, in, in the art of money laundering, I mean, you have to find all these, like, legitimate businesses to, you know, pass your cash through. And it's just really interesting watching. And it's it directed, executive produced, and stars Jason Bateman, you know, from, you know, that, that kid from Family Ties, all grown up now, and he is just excellent. It is so good. I actually, it was so good. I had to call Momo up on Sunday, like, "Have you watched it all? Have you seen it?" That and that last episode, episode ten, that finale. I mean, it, it raised my blood pressure, Sandy. It is really okay. good. Well, I'll I'll start watching it. Did did you have you did you watch uh, Breaking Bad? Or you, are you a fan yes. of shows like that? Yeah, I watched Breaking Bad. Yeah, if you like Breaking Bad, you will love Ozark. It is so incredible. Cool. Uh, and it, it, it really does leave a huge mess at the end of season one. So it's set up nicely for season two. They haven't officially uh, renewed it yet, but I'm sure they will. Very excited about that. Um, and the third one I was going to talk about was Insecure. But, I mean, everyone knows about Insecure and, and Lisa Ray. It's getting a lot of press, and, and deservedly so. Lawrence Hive is in the house. But I just came back from seeing a uh, preview for Atomic Blonde. And actually, I mean, you know, I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna talk I'm talking a little atomic blonde real quick. Now that's the one with Charlize Theron as like they're calling her like like a female James Bond type. Are you are you familiar? Uh, I heard just heard about it, but I'm not uh, I'm I'm not really uh, familiar with it. You know, it, it I found it interesting though that it's this coming out, and then Taraji has this movie coming out. Rashida Proud Mary, uh, Hitman. So, yeah, I saw that trailer for Proud Mary last week, and that was lit. And it's coming out in January, which is bizarre because that's when you dump movies to die. But that's going to be great. January is going to be awesome because that, and and someone put in perspective, it's like January you get Proud Mary, and then uh, February we get Black Panther, and I know Black Panther is going to set it off. Everyone's excited for that. Yeah, I'm, I I saw the trailer that was on. Uh, I think it was on Facebook, and I, I, 
I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting that one. Yeah, no, that's it. Black Panther. And, and I guess they had some footage from Comic-Con uh, this past weekend, which was so, I mean, and they're like, we're not putting on the internet. Y'all who weren't at Comic-Con just had to suffer. But I guess the footage was so good. The entire cast was there, just like exploded, got up, hugged each other, dapped each other. He's like, had like a real big celebration with how good some of the footage looked. I mean, oh, man, I, I can't wait. I, I honestly can't wait for Black Panther. That is very exciting myself um oh but yes yes uh but yes atomic blonde uh it was solid it it was it's it's an interesting movie the, the there's a framing device with this whole interview thing where she's in an interview kind of recalling like her last today this is like john goodman from the interview room or whatever and it's 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 cool but i will say this though the fight scenes are outstanding they may, I mean, these fight scenes are so like visceral and clumsy and crazy, and, and there's a lot of like handheld camera work and stuff that it, it kind of puts Jason Bourne to shame, like straight up. Like, it's, I mean, you really feel like, I mean, you're, like when she kicks the guy down the stairs, like you hear every stair hit that dude. So it's, it's, it, the action scenes are excellent, some of the best I've ever seen, but uh, the, the movie overall is, is just okay and it's pretty good it's three reels i mean it, it has more plot than i thought it would and i mean I, I probably could have done with maybe one or two more fights with her doing hand-to-hand combat because she's so good at it but yeah i i think it's uh it, it's it's three out of four reels i i liked it are, are you are you looking forward to seeing it at all say are you an are you an action movie guy sandy uh, i'm an action junkie because that that's a good release for me you know, after having uh, worked in in uh, financial services, regulated as a regulator, I I like to go to movies where I don't have to think much. You know, when someone gets punched in the face, you say, <laughs> I got punched in the face. I don't need to know what it meant. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of that in this film. Um, it's a little girl and girl for you know <laughs> the sapphic fans out there. And yeah, so it's I mean it's 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 a fun it's a fun movie. Definitely worth seeing. Three out of four, and those fight scenes are crazy, just absolutely crazy. I, I really enjoyed the fight. Look, look, look at that. Look how mean she looks. She's really just in. Yeah. Charlie's, I mean, if there is gonna be like you know a new James Bond or whatever, make her a Jane Bond. I don't care. She's awesome. She was she's really good in that role. She's very very good in uh, uh, fi- from a physical standpoint and and as a former you know theater kid went to acting school whatever I can really appreciate some good stage combat uh, we took a class stage combat you know we did the whole like you know was it uh, rapier and da- or daggers and rapiers or whatever the sword play and everything we taught you know how to do f- uh, uh, stage combat. My final, I think, was that scene on Face Off at the end on the beach where they're like beating each other down. Like I had to do that with like my uh, scene partner. So I'm really into good stage combat, and this has some of the best in the business. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Okay. So so yeah. So what are you watching, uh, Sandy? What what Mr. Connoisseur of Leisure? What what's what what, what are you watching these days? What are you seeing at the theater at home? Um, I actually. And probably this is about my third time watching it because I this is one movie I do try to uh, get behind the 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 action is Thirteen Hours. Hmm. Have you uh, seen hours. that? Oh, that oh yeah the the movie set in um was it Iraq or Libya? The Libya. It was in, uh, it was in uh, yeah. Yeah, Libya, the, the Michael Bay movie that nobody saw, but I did. I right. saw it in the theater, and I liked it. I thought it was t- it was totally underrated. 
yeah, yeah. It, 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 I was looking at it from this. This is one movie I was I do I I do think about, and so I was looking at the heroics, but I was also looking at uh, sort of the that whole idea of manifest destiny that <laughs> that we have. Uh, oh yeah, how how so? How did that relate? Because that was like the, about the fall, of like the Libyan, um, uh, the the Libyan uh, embassy, right? So so yeah. So to, uh, explain to us how that ties into Manifest Destiny. Okay, well, Manifest Destiny, you know, was back when uh, the United States felt that we had the right to go into other countries mm. and and impose our form of government or or our culture because they felt that our culture or let us say uh, the American culture was superior to any other culture in the world. And uh, so it was our, it was destined for us to, to convert people over to our way of living. And, uh, if they could be converted, but in a sense, it, it's it, 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 it's an attitude of superiority. And when you actually look at this movie and the attitudes that the people, uh, especially the special operators, express toward the people that actually live in the country that they're in, mm -hmm. you can see it's condescending. Right. You know the the the, the snide remarks and all. And uh, the bottom line is uh, you are over there because basically you couldn't fit back into uh, society because uh, war has become part of your DNA. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, no, and, and yeah, and that's uh... – <laughs> That as as partially also why you know people prefer the U.S. stay out of you know foreign entanglements or engagements and and because it, it's always hard like dealing with you know native culture when you're I mean you're you're essentially a guest or a visitor and it's one thing to be a visitor you know or a guest in someone else's country and then try to impose you know your values and your way of life that's so I, I get what you're saying with that uh, a quick uh, uh, side note Pablo Schreiber the homie uh, I used to <laughs> I used to go to school with his sister. Back in oh, Seattle, okay. he's a driver to school, and a, and a few times I'd give him a ride. And he was like, you think a two or three years younger than her, and and he's always challenged me to play basketball for some reason. So it was kind of funny. I remember going to one of his uh, to his basketball games, is like out in the sticks, whatever. But uh, I just remember him from Pablo, little Pablo, sitting in the back seat, drop him off, whatever. And now he's all grown up, making major dollars as a steadily employed Hollywood actor. He's got quite the He's got quite the, uh, I was going to say the rap sheet, but uh, quite quite the IMDB page. Everything from Weeds, that 13 Hours he was in, as we saw, uh, the, that ill-conceived remake of Ironside. <laughs> a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of good stuff. The Good Wife. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah. he was on uh, uh, a few episodes of uh, Law and Order. Um, That's right. SBU. And he did such a good job. It, it's taken a while for me to get that 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 image out of him, my mind of him as that psychopathic rapist 
Yeah, and, well, and then of course the one that will be forever burned on our, on our uh, streaming friends' minds. He is Porn Stash, aka uh, from uh, Orange Is the New Black. Have you have you seen that show? Have you watched Orange Is the New Black? I haven't watched one episode of that show. Oh, it's great. You know, female prison. It, it's funny. It's great. If you liked Weeds at all, it's from the creator of Weeds, uh, on which he also starred in like one of the later seasons. It's just a really good show. And he's Porn Stash. He's probably known. He's probably best known these days as Porn Stash. So big yeah. ups to Pablo in 13 Hours. Anything else you watching, Sandy? Um, a bunch of B movies I won't name because ah! I don't want people to No laugh. judgments? No judgments? You're among friends <laughs> they, here. They were really bad. <laughs> but one thing I've weaned myself off of is, is Steven Seagal movies. Yeah, they've yeah. they've gotten so bad that I welcome it, to the twenty first century. I think we gave up on him like twenty years ago. <laughs> well, he makes those uh, straight to to uh, DVD or you know, and and for some reason or other, Netflix loves him. <laughs> Netflix will find that those like you know twenty thousand or you know people around the world. They'll they'll if you if they have twenty thousand people, or I don't even know what the number is, but if they have a a a small but fervent population that watch a certain thing, they will cater uh, yeah. something to them. I mean, they have a six billion with a B dollar uh, budget a year for creating content. And that's why every week there's some new hotness on Netflix and some new whackness too. I mean, Adam Sandler has made a, you know, a home on Netflix. That I have for the life of me. I cannot bring myself to watch those terrible, terrible movies. Now, there was a movie on Netflix with uh, Jason Momoa and uh, who's his wife? Uh, oh, yeah, Lisa Bonet, yeah. Lisa Bonet about uh, uh, Native Americans in uh, the Northeast region of the country. And that uh, it was called Red Something. And I, I enjoyed that. It, it was a... I think uh, season I one. I think I know what you're talking about. I, I watched one season. I think I, I did watch one season. Re yeah, where, where like there's like a murder mystery and everything. They're on like a on a reservation. I think was that right? yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. funny thing is, is the the Red Road. That's what it is. The Red Road. The lady that was sort of his uh, stepmother looked black. <laughs> <laughs> she was the uh, she was on. Uh, CSI, one of those CSIs, uh, New York, Tooney, uh, I can't remember her last name. Oh, yeah, Tamara Tooney. Yeah, she, yeah she's working black actress, you know, more right. power to her. But she, she was supposedly Native American. Well, I mean, come on now. I mean, you know, yeah, black people, we all got some Indian in our family, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. so. But um, I, I, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I've watched The Revenant a couple of times. Oh, really? I could barely get through once. That is a movie to be endured, not to be enjoyed. Really? Twice? Yeah. yeah. Him eating that that was that that uh that heart, that animal heart? Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah, you're stronger man than I am. <laughs> man. Okay, well, so let's get to our main topic this week. We are doing top five war movies. Y'all know the rules, but for those who are new to the podcast, allow me to explain. You name a movie, you name a war movie. We alternate picks. 
Once someone picks that war movie, that movie is out of play. And in deference to my guests uh, and, and, and any research you may have done, because I have done next to none. <laughs> and, and also the reason why we are doing war movies this week is because Dunkirk was like that. Y'all who watch or listen to the podcast regularly know how I feel about Dunkirk. I am looking forward to seeing it again soon in 70 millimeter. But in honor of Dunkirk, we are doing top five war movies. So first off, Go ahead, Sandy. Tell us, uh, tell us as a, a connoisseur of leisure, what war movies do you like to, in, to, uh, to watch? What, what, what's your first war movie you'd like to take off the board? Uh, Apocalypse Now. There you go. Stay classy. Apocalypse Now. And you know what? I'm, I can't remember if I've seen this one. But go ahead. Tell us, tell us about Apocalypse Now and why, like, why that is number one off, off the board. Um, because... It dealt with some of the conflicts involved in uh, fighting the war in Vietnam. Uh, and since I'm a veteran of that era, uh, and- Oh, did, did you with, serve? Were you in Vietnam? I wasn't in Vietnam, but I was in the army. Oh, okay. All right, well, <laughs> glad, glad you made it through. <laughs> I was in Northern Thailand. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Stay out of the action. <laughs> but um, it, it really hit home to me uh, when uh, I think one of my favorite scenes was when uh, Martin Sheen goes into the trailer and the general is there and some other people and they're giving him his assignment. And there was this one guy there that was in civilian clothes who uh, was one of those guys that you're wondering who, who he, who, who's this guy? And he was uh, the military intelligence officer. And well, I'll, I'll I mean, really admit I have, I mean, and this is a yeah, hole in my, in my, uh, in my cinematic resume, but I have not seen Apocalypse Now. Oh, well, you need to see it, but also the, uh, the, the extended, uh, version, but okay. basically it, it was built upon a, a book called Hearts of Darkness about, uh, taking the trip up a river in Africa. And Francis Ford Coppola, he uh, he took that and then made made it into a war where Martin Sheen is given this assignment to go and assassinate a special forces colonel, Colonel Kurt, Kurtz, who's oh, played okay. by Marlon Brando. And he's supposed to be like crazy, right, Colonel Kurtz? Yeah, he he's 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 crazy. But the reason why they want to get rid of him is also effective. Because okay. he, he, he became... He might end the a, war too quickly for them? <laughs> well, and he became a demagogue for the Mountain Yard people. Oh. They worshipped him. And they were brutal, you know, in, in, in doing what they did. And uh, he was an embarrassment for the U.S. government. And so they needed to, uh, uh, in fact, this is when the, the phrase came out. Uh, I think it might have been the first time most people had heard it. They told Martin Sheen they wanted him to terminate with extreme prejudice. Oh, 
And Martin Sheen was a, a special forces, uh, I think he was a captain, who was going crazy at the beginning of the movie because he he didn't have an assignment and he was just in this room drinking and there was a fan overhead and I liked the way they they superimposed the sound of a helicopter, but it was really a ceiling fan and he's hallucinating. Yeah, I hear it's one of Francis Ford Coppola's great works, and 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 also, I mean, that's that's actually I'm gonna add it. I guess I can watch it on Amazon Prime, so that's awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna add that to my list. That's 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 what's up. All and right, that's so, the movie that introduced uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, that was his first one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think right, he well, was like 19 years old. The filming was uh, they had all kind of problems. Martin Sheen had a nervous breakdown during the filming and, and a heart attack and almost oh, died. And they had to uh, hold up filming until <laughs> he got better. Oh, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's good. And it's one of the few war movies that they had brothers in it that weren't portrayed as being cowardly. Okay. Well, all right. Well, I'm gonna add that to my to my list, and I'm gonna jump in here with my with uh, my first pick. And yes, since yes. I know who I'm dealing with, uh, and it's it's staying in that same era, I'm going to go with Platoon because I knew those I know it's gonna be your next one or on the list. So kicking off the board, can't have Platoon. Platoon obviously is awesome. It's incredible. It's scary, but it's really good. I mean, and I mean, obviously it came out in 86. I don't think I watched it until I was older, thank God, because it would have scared the hell out of me. I think I was, what, 9, 10, 11, maybe 11, when, when it came out, obviously too young for an R-rated movie. But Platoon is like that. It's crazy. It also is the movie that kind of really put Charlie Sheen on the map a little bit. I mean, it, and it's just, I mean... The the moral quandaries, the way they once again the the manifest destiny, like Sandy mm. said, all that stuff is in there. I mean, the loss of innocence, just the the ravages of war, burning villages, rape, murder. It's just, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm gonna say it's got it all. That's not the right way to say that, but it's, I mean, it really does expose you to the horrors of of war, and it it's it's just it's a it's a really good film that I probably won't watch, but. A handful of times in my life, but it's really good. And, and you know, and your boy Oliver Stone just wilding out. What, what, do you have any thoughts on, on Platoon, real quick? Yeah, it, it was the the second one I was going to bring up, and uh, I agree with everything you said. I I know myself and and some of the other brothers that uh, that were uh, that I know that were in Vietnam and in the service uh, took exception with the portrayal of the brothers in, in platoon, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, it, it was probably just the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. And if anybody remembers, one of the main complaints was that the closer you got to the DMZ or where all the action was the they used to say the darker it got. Oh yeah, they all yeah they put us up in the front lines. Absolutely, they started calling it Soville. Oh no, and and that's portrayed in in Apocalypse Now. Mm. 
Okay, that, that's that's a, a crucial yeah. detail too of, yeah. of wartime. I mean, obviously, you know, wars are fought a lot differently now, and hopefully, that's not like the case. But it seems like actually, it seems like what happens now with with uh, our wars seems like the the less educated, the poor, as well as maybe the minorities, also get kind of pushed to the front line. But yeah, that, that's that's ooh man, that's 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 no good for anybody. But yes, yeah, that's my first one off the board. Okay. You can't have it. Got to come up with a second one, a new second one. <laughs> oh well, of course, deer hunter. Oh, okay, yeah, dude. I've never seen that, but I heard it's a classic. I heard also nearly bankrupted a studio or something. Like, yeah, do tell about Deer Hunter. Give us the lowdown on the Deer Hunter. The the Deer Hunter is uh, it's funny. The 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 war scenes are probably a small part of the movie, but the movie is about the war, the Vietnam War, and it's about these. Um, Oh, I guess there's a certain uh, population in uh, Pennsylvania that has uh, uh, that their ancestors were, came over from Russia. Mm -hmm. So Robert De Niro uh, was in it. Um, oh, I see you have it up now. John Got Savage okay, and yep. uh, Christopher Walken. And oh, that's they, that's on the cast. They all worked in the steel mill and, you know, and they would go up and go hunting and all. Well, they all joined the army at, together and they were gung ho about going and, and fighting. And uh, John Savage was getting married before um, before they actually. Meryl Streep, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Stacked. And the wedding scene in this movie was one of the one of the longest, but one of the the best that you'll ever see. Because first, it's, it showed like their culture, you know, with the dance and the music, and then you know they uh, they they were all all. Um, uh, Drinking heavily, uh, it it it, it was. They were reminiscing about going through the war and stuff, and and then the way they made the transition to the war part was as the wedding's winding down. Robert De Niro goes in the bar, and there's a green beret sitting at the bar, and he has that. They they used to call it the stare. He had that stare, <laughs> and. Robert De Niro would say, "Well, something like, well, you know, we're we're going in, and what do you, how uh, you see the action? He's trying to strike up a conversation with the guy, and the guy basically doesn't even want to talk to him, and he just words an expletive, and they he doesn't understand what it is. So that so then from that." They so go hunting, and then the next okay. thing you know, they're in Vietnam. Oh, okay. So kind of like mixing of the present and the past. That sounds interesting. I might have to check that out. I, yeah. I, all I all I remember or all I've heard mostly about it is that that Michael Cimino, Cimino guy, mm -hmm. like it costs so much money that it damn near bankrupted the studio or whatever, and that and people are always like, it, I mean, I guess it won some awards, so like it was really good, but it. Like the cost of making it back then in seventy seven seventy eight, oh, yeah. it was threatened to bring down the entire studio. <laughs> oh, it was it was a long movie, 
and uh, you know it, uh, it. You know, I, I mean, it had everything because what happened was his friends wound up becoming uh, POWs, oh. and the 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 they were kept in in this cage that was partially submerged in this river that had rats in it. <laughs> so, and they were making them play Russian roulette, and that's another pivotal part of the movie. Oh, goodness. The Russian so, roulette. <laughs> man, it sounds, it sounds like a lot. So, so I, all right, so that, that's, a, that's a solid second pick. Mm-hmm. I am going to take off the board Glory because got my main man, Denzel. Okay. Denzel, man, that's, I mean, it's, I mean, for all the obvious reasons. I mean, first of all, I mean, first of all, it's just, it's a, it's a great story. Edward Zwick, I mean, he's done, he's done some good stuff before, but this might be his best film. It, I mean, Civil War, I mean, it's, it's, I would say, I hate that word problematic, but it's a problematic time to try to like express well, you know, uh, on camera or in, in cinema. And this one does it pretty well. Uh, I mean, you do get like some of the, some of the, the white officer side and everything, which is, which is fine, but really the heart and soul of this movie does lie with the enlisted men you know the, the first uh quote-unquote negro regiment <laughs> all negro regiment um out of massachusetts the 54th and it's i mean it's just so good and that whole i mean it's i mean everyone knows all the all the scenes you know denzel the denzel tier all that sort of stuff you know he plays a surly uh <clears throat> a, a, a surly uh escaped slave former escaped slave named trip who you know? I mean, it's just a bit of a, a bit of a rule breaker. Doesn't believe in like carrying the the flag because those aren't his colors. He fights for some. He fights for himself, not for the union, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just it's just really well done. I mean, the camaraderie between the, the men, everything, the the, the exposure t- of of you know the discipline needed in order to survive in, in you know, war, especially wars back then. It's just a really good film. I enjoy the hell out of it. And Matthew Broderick made his, you know, made a, a fairly, you know, surprising dramatic turn. Uh, I mean, this is, I mean, back then it was like Ferris Bueller, like what Ferris Bueller is leading the charge. Like what? But no, it, he played <laughs> off fine. Cause his whole character was like a young, naive, you know, Lieutenant or whatever. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed glory. If you haven't seen it, something's wrong with you. Go see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, glory. I, I saw it and I enjoyed the uh, scene around the campfire. <laughs> Lord, 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 Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, fighting fifty-four. So that's my that's my second one. Yeah, that's my second one. So what's your third one? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with one that's gonna surprise you, and you probably never heard of it. Hmm, try me. Dogs of War. Dogs of War, huh? I have not. I okay. We're so now we're in nineteen eighty. All right, we're making progress. Uh, yeah, Dogs <laughs> of War. Do tell. I, I, you're absolutely right. I am unfamiliar. So, so school, school, young brother on Dogs of War. Uh, the the act the the movie uh, the, the acting was not that good except for Christopher Walken. <laughs> okay, but the premise, and you got to remember, this came out in nineteen eighty. And what it was about was Christopher Walken was, say, a, an ex, uh, 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 he was a veteran of the Vietnam War. Uh, uh, he was just kind of, you know, bumming around, but he became sort of like a mercenary. And he was sent to this 
country in Africa to scout it out and all. And uh, I, if I remember right, it was this oil company that wanted to do a regime change so they could get rights to the oil. Okay. And so um, he led an invasion of the country and unleashed the dogs of war. Ah. But he, 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 uh, he, he got a conscience and they had this puppet uh, uh, that they were gonna put in uh, as leader of the country and at the last minute when he was sitting behind the uh the the dethroned president's desk in in all his uh arrogance christopher watkin put a bullet in his forehead wait did you just tell us the entire movie am i not gonna have to go see the movie man sandy oh, well thank you for explaining the entire plot <laughs> Of the dogs of war. No, there's there's some more to it that I. Didn't I hope so. <laughs> there's some more to it that I didn't explain, and it, it's okay. okay. Well, let's, let's leave some but, of the imagination then. And it yeah. sounds like Christopher Walken was that dude in the late '70s when it comes to war movies. He seems like he was in a lot of that stuff. Huh? Yeah, and it, it's unusual because I did I never knew he was a, a dancer. He was up in a lot of Broadway shows. Huh. Yeah, so okay. Always, and I always thought he was this tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so so this one, the movie I'm going to do for my third one, it's kind of a war movie, or it actually deals with like some of the details of war. And, and by that, I mean, I'm doing uh, God of War. Yeah, there we go. No, yeah, the, no, which is it? It's not City of God. God of, isn't it what he's called? The Lord of War. There we go. Lord okay. of War. That's the one with, yeah, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, so, based on a true story. Yes, so slept on. So you've seen it, right? This is this is a fun, yeah. well, as, as much as like international arms dealing can be fun, but basically Nicolas Cage is like an international arms dealer. I think he deals with his brother, maybe, I think. And yeah. I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it was, my, it was one of my favorite movies of 2005. It is just, and, and it's Nicolas Cage before he totally, to, totally, totally sold out and started doing like paycheck movies. I mean, this is still, you know, it wasn't like the biggest movie, but it, it's a really kind of, I mean, it was it was it was like a late August release, if I recall correctly. So it wasn't like the most heralded movie, but it kind of slipped slipped under the radar. It's really a lot of fun. Nicholas Cage is doing Nicholas Cage things. He's very basically he's like an, an international arms merchant illegally, um, who kind of like like your the past one kind of grows a conscience maybe a little bit when he um is you know when, when all these like international arms dealing kind of comes around to bite him back in the ass and it's just it's just a really uh, interesting movie in as much as that you get a peek into the world of like black market arms deals and like and the people and the morality or lack thereof they have in order to engage in it. and i thought nicholas cage did a really good job totally slept on that year but i really enjoyed it i do believe it was in my top 10 movies of the year. Really well cast. Look at Eamon Walker. I think he's still on Oz at that time. It just, you know, it's put in work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a really solid cast. Jared Leto, Bridget Moynihan, you know, go ahead. Get, you know, get you some. It's good stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and like I said, based on a true story. Yeah, I liked it. And I thought that this movie that just recently came out, uh, War Dogs. Yeah, that was, wasn't as good. 
that, <laughs> but it was the same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it was based on the same uh, uh, two two guys. Or it oh, was, wait, 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 hold on a second. Are are you serious? Are these were these both about the same guys? It, it, they weren't about the same guys because oh, okay. in 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 uh, the one with Nicolas Cage, mm -hmm. they were brothers. Right. And in War Dogs, they same were concept. Yeah, that was also a true story. <laughs> you know, yeah. they 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 uh, they 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 were arms dealers. Yeah, similar type of prep. Okay, I was about to say, I'm like, oh wow, how did I miss that detail? Yeah, <laughs> they did the same movie. No, but yeah, similar type of setup, but uh, but uh, different you know, real life stories. I guess there's a lot of real life international arms dealers running around out there. Yeah. All right. What's your fourth one, Sandy? What you got? Uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, excellent choice. Excellent choice. All right. So yes, go ahead and give us the rundown on that one. Well, that was about the uh, uh, CIA analysts that yeah, tracked down bin Laden and I liked it because it showed a lot of the the work that nobody really sees they, that uh, takes place from an intelligence standpoint. Fair. And I guess I'm biased because that's what I did when I was in the military. So, oh, you were an analyst. I did not know that. Interesting. No, I, I was a counterintelligence agent. <gasps> Really? Wow, you just got that much more interesting. All right, so you're a connoisseur of leisure and intelligence. All right. So, uh, but I, I liked it because there, as opposed to my preference of not having to think, this one made you think, mm. and it showed you know the, the just the 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 little detail and work that went into finding him. Yeah, a lot of a lot of smart people doing really smart things, and of course, right. the star uh, Jessica Chastain. Right. She was the one who just was just after Bin Laden for all those years and and right. demonstrations. Yeah, that's ex that's an excellent pick. I have no qualms or quibbles with that one. My fourth pick, I'm going to go with uh, is we're almost kind of running out of room here. There's so many good war movies, and I don't know what that says about our culture, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, so I'm gonna do the Hurt Locker. That one, I mean, it won awards and stuff. It won the the Academy Award. I think uh, Catherine Bigelow. Uh, I think she won for Best Director, first female director to win, which took way too damn long. But yes, it was great. It's a great movie. Great, I mean, great war movie, and it really gets into the like, psychology, you know, and, and the psychological ramifications of people who do this type of stuff every day. It's you know, you're dealing with a guy who's he basically it's a guy who's on like bomb detail. You know, he has. He has to go and defuse bombs or, or send in advanced little, you know, drones or probes or whatever to defuse bombs and everything. And what happens when you lose, you know, when the people on your detail and deal with the psychological effects of that. And it's just, I, it's, it's really well done. And then also, and that, this is actually a, a good picture back here where it shows him trying to adapt to normal life, but he gets off tour and he just kind of can't, you can't turn it off. Right. So it's just, you know, and this, this is actually a, a small bit of a period piece back in, I mean, recent history back in uh, in uh, Iraq and everything. So it's just really interesting seeing, you know, the psychological ramifications of people who do come back from war, who do do such stuff that will mess with your mind, like, you know, defusing bombs and, and what happens when they go wrong. Have you, have you seen The Hurt Locker, Sandy? Yes, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Uh, I liked the... Uh... I think that was a breakout role for Anthony Mackie. 
Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, you know, and Renner, Jeremy Renner too. I mean, I I right. heard of him for years, but that that one definitely did put him on the 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 the, the low A high B list map. Yeah. yeah, and and that was on my list, so now I have to. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes, you see how the game is played now, huh? Okay. Yeah. Now, can I have a tie? Uh, I mean, I know we're coming down to the, our last picks. Yeah. Do an honorable mention and then give your official last pick. I'll, I'll allow it. Okay, I'll I'll go with the honorable mention for me would be uh, Hamburger Hill. Okay. And your official last one, what would that one be? We were soldiers. Interesting. Okay. Well, once again, circling back to Vietnam, I guess for obvious reasons, you served. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, tells us about Vietnam too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm seeing a trend here, Sandy. I'm seeing a, <laughs> I'm seeing a, a theme here with your movies. But yes. All yes, right. So, so obvious. well done. <laughs> well done. So yeah. So we were soldiers. Go ahead and give us the full lowdown on that. I do remember seeing it. I enjoyed it. But let's hear about it from your perspective. Go ahead. It's based on a true story. I can't remember the the colonel's name, but he essentially uh, developed the air cavalry. Uh, okay. The the process of going into a uh, uh, a battle zone by, via helicopter mm-hmm. and uh, and getting in and uh, in this one that I think the thing I I liked about the movie was it showed the the Vietnamese uh, not as caricatures not as uh, barbarians but actually thinking soldiers with strategy. Right, and, uh, you know, because the movie begins with the French, and how they uh, underestimated the the Vietnamese, and and they got slaughtered. Right, and so uh, this colonel, uh, who was also uh, uh, studied the history of war. Uh, oh. Oh no, we lost Sandy. Come back. <laughs> Come back. Okay, so I will pick up where he left off. Um, well, maybe not so much on We Were Soldiers, uh, and but I will actually go ahead and talk about... So I actually have an honorable mention, and uh, I mean, God, there are some really good uh, war movies. Since he's not here, he can't stop. Now, I'm going to do a couple of honorable mentions. I really enjoyed Inglorious Bastards. It's, it's a bit of a, of a low-key masterpiece uh, to, you know, your boy uh, T- Quentin Tarantino. But, uh, you know, with his revisionist history of World War II, I can... Uh, in, yeah, there you go. It's all misspelled and stuff. I really enjoyed that movie. It's, you know, it's there's a lot there to like. But then uh, Brad Pitt, all that good stuff. But then also... I would say, uh, I mean, this and also Saving Private Ryan. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but that's a really excellent war movie. And of course, those first forty minutes, which I was warned about. We were seeing it in the theater. I was scared. I was scared shitless. But uh, I, I mean, and I kind of watched through, you know, you know, uh, through through my fingers that 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 whole opening sequence. But man. Man, but man, if that movie isn't like really good, it's super long. It's like at two hours and forty nine minutes, almost three hours. But it is actually worth it, and definitely brings you into the fog of war. Actually, I might want to 
Now I think I want to see him watch it again. There he is. He's back. Oh, I don't, know what, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I kind of carried on without you. I went and, and uh, covered um, two of my uh, honorable mentions I did in Glorious Bastards and then Saving Private Ryan. But but for my fifth one, um, I, well, actually, you know, actually, I'll hold off for my fifth one. Just go ahead and wrap up real quick uh, your We Were Soldiers. Oh, well, it, 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 it was a battle of strategy between uh, the uh, leader of the North Vietnamese uh, soldiers and Mel Gibson. Sure. Uh, it, yeah, I remember it, that one scene with like the whole sniper setup with the, the, the meeting and everything. I remember I, that, was, that was part of that movie, right? There was like a sniper setup and it was like really tense and, and some leader was coming in and then they kind of had to like adjust on the fly. Is that the same movie I'm thinking of? No. <laughs> okay, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one this one was uh where um Mel Gibson uh his uh the the guy he played who's a real guy uh, actually developed that uh method of carrying soldiers into a battlefield via helicopter. Oh, okay. As first, the the air cavalry, and okay. and he also uh, so they practice, um, and w once uh, they got the assignment, they go and uh, they wound up being in a, a battle zone where I think there was a entire a North Vietnamese uh, battalion. That they had to uh, 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 fight, and uh, if the uh, I think the the battle scenes were sort of like platoon, mm -hmm. uh, really uh, kind of uh, you know as realistic as you can get in a movie, but it it showed the heroism, but also it wasn't like a Audie Murphy. You know those movies where you know one guy is going to go and fight twenty in. <laughs> it, it felt more realistic. Yeah. No, that, that, that's fair. And yeah. and 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 piggybacking off of that like realism, I mean, and this I might you know suffer from recency bias, but I don't even care. Because I, I, I the more I think about this movie, the more it grows on me. And I did just see this, but it's Dunkirk. Damn it, Dunkirk is like that. Have you seen Dunkirk? I haven't seen Dunkirk. I. I don't know if I'm going to go see it in the movies. I might wait. Oh, no, 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 no. Stop. Stop right there. You need to see this on the biggest screen possible. Preferably, if you can see it in IMAX 70 millimeter, it might change your world, like straight up. That's my next move. My next move is to see it in 70 millimeter on a super big screen. We don't have IMAX 70 millimeter here in Vegas, but I'm definitely going to see it in 70 millimeter because I hear it's just like super clear and pristine and gorgeous. And it's just... It's an amazing movie. I don't know if you've listened to my recent podcast, but I did review it at least once, maybe even twice, about how just you know impressed I was with it. But Dunkirk basically follows um, three different uh, three different men over three different timelines on the same event. It's a, it, it's well lesser known to 
American audiences was was early on in the war before we got even got involved. 1940, like May end of May, early June 1940, 300 or 400,000 uh, British soldiers were stranded on Dunkirk Beach in France, and they're trying to get home to to across English Channel. They're cut off. That that whole I think I'm sure you've seen like one of the trailers or the commercials with the little floating leaflets and it shows like you know you are surrounded. You know basically saying like the Germans have you know <clears throat> the the, the the British soldiers surrounded on all sides and they're trapped by the sea. And at this point in the war, I mean, they're getting just, just, you know, pummeled. I mean, you've got the Luftwaffe killing them by the air. You've got the U-boats killing by the sea. I mean, you know, they're just kind of stuck. And so they're trying to, so they're, they're trying to get out of France. France about to be occupied by Germany. And, they're just kind of stranded on, the, on on this beach because you know the the U-boats keep sinking all their destroyers and their ships, and so they basically have to mobilize like all these civilian uh, boats, all these this, the, all these civilian, uh, and that's that's one of the guys right there, the guy on the the left. They have to mobilize all these civilian like you know seamen, like you know pleasure boats and you know fishing boats, whatever, from the English from the England side to come across the channel those 26 miles, whatever, to go scoop up all these waiting soldiers because they keep getting their ships, you know, uh, destroyed. And it is, and so they, they follow, they follow one guy, uh, they, they follow a, a day in the life of, of an infantryman, um, who's just trying to, no, a week in the life of, of infantrymen just trying to get home. And every time he seems like he's getting some, getting closer to getting on something, they'll take him home. Something crazy happens. Then they follow, uh, the day in the life of yeah, this, so this is the infantryman, the uh, like young kid. They, they, they spend a week in his life. They spend a day in the life of well, an, a day in the life of this guy. He's you know taking his ple his you know pleasure boat across the English Channel to go save the men, and then an hour in the life of Tom Hardy's character. Uh, he's a uh, uh, a Royal Air Force um, you know uh, bomber. And it's just, it's really compelling. And I swear that movie was so tense. I mean, because not only is it, not only is it just a setup, but also the way the, the musical score is done. Hans Zimmer, the goat, my man, I want him to do the soundtrack of my life. If I die before him, not likely, but if I die before him, I want Hans Zimmer to play at my funeral. He is so good at this musical score game. It just, it's like an extra character. It's just the TikTokiness of the whole thing. It just the, and and I've seen people uh, talk about how it's like so precisely, you know, uh, uh, made like 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 Hitchcock. It's just it's a thriller. It's 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 a little emotional, but you are really there. You're really in there with these 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 lads who are just trying to you know survive. And, and so and I, I love this picture right here, with the one with all the little helmets, and they're all looking up because they're about to get bombed on or strafed by the Luftwaffe. And this is how I felt the entire movie, Sandy. I felt like so tense. Like, I don't know where the next calamity is going to come from. I felt like I was one of these huddled masses, you know, stuck on a pier trying to cross the English Channel to get home because the entire movie is so tense. I, the more I think of this movie, the more I love it. It's my fifth pick, Dunkirk. See, don't don't wait, Sam. Don't wait. Okay. You're not allowed to wait. You okay. have to see this movie on the biggest screen possible right now. I'll go see it. If you truly are a connoisseur of leisure, well, I, well, actually, no, it's not a very leisurely leisurely movie. It'll make you really tense, but it's a really good experience. I I highly enjoy it. it and if you like war movies, you will love this movie. Okay, and I think one thing I w I want to interject, even though we're talking about the uh, five best, mm -hmm. I I. I would be remiss if I didn't add in the worst <laughs> I've seen. Okay. 
which was John Wayne movie called The Green Berets. Oh, okay. In 1968, the Green Berets. Do tell. I, I saw it when I was overseas in the military, in the theater on base. It wasn't supposed to be a comedy, <laughs> but all you heard throughout the whole movie was laughter. All right, y'all. You heard it here first. Avoid the Green Berets at all costs. It Don't was so hokey, it. and 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 you know, I'm watching the movie with guys. Some of them were special forces, and most of them had been in Vietnam. And that's, that's like that their experience, huh? Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> so, if, okay, if, well, if you want to well, laugh, that's a good movie. All right, fair enough. Okay, so. All right, so what is Cinema Draft? It is the fancy sports version of the movies. Instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies and how their movies perform at the North American box office will earn you points for your call sheet of actors while competing against others for funding prizes. You draft 10 actors or assign a dollar value salary. You have 100K in budget to try to draft all 10 actors. And it must be 10, no more, no less. There are three release types of movies, Sandy. There is wide release, 2,000 screens and up. There is limited release between 500 and, and 2,000 screens. And then there is platform release, which is 500 screens and below, and you must have one actor from each of the three release types of movies. You have two headliners per film. Headliners points are worth 40% more, so try to get them where you can. So, for example, if Suicide Squad earns $100 million and you get one point per million dollars per actor, Margot Robbie would get 100 points, while Will Smith, as a headliner, would get 140. It is free to play, over $200 in prizes this week, plus a $25 bonus to the highest scoring call sheet. We did have dual winners of the call sheet of the week this past weekend, so they split the $50 prize because it rolled over from the week before when I had the best call sheet. If I have the best call sheet, Sandy, then nobody gets a $25 bonus. It rolls into the next week and the next week and the next week until someone, not me, wins call sheet of the week. Beta testing's open and live. Go to cinemadraft.co to sign up. And are you ready for the shot list, Sandy? And actually, Sandy, are you, are you going to join our lovely game? Are you going to throw in a call sheet this week? Um, it's free to play. <laughs> I'll try. The right answer is yes. Wrong answer, yes. That is the right answer, the only answer. And we're going to go over to the shot list. We're going to get you uh, hip to some game, how you how you play this game, where there's going to be some good values to look out for this weekend. Movies and actors are going to want to have on your call sheets that, are, that you must have. So first off, this is the part of the shot list I call the A-list, and these are definitely some actors you will want on your call sheet. First up... And is James McAvoy, and, and having seen Atomic Blonde, I'm intrigued now. In my notes, I say that that uh, this might be the sleeper hit to lead the box office weekend. Uh, it's projected at 28.5 million. I thought 40 million is is uh, not out of its reach. It'll be very interesting to see how people respond to this because I think it is a fun movie. It's a good movie, but it's not great. If it was a great movie, I thought 40 million would be in reach. It's 
pretty good, and a lot of curiosity, you know, behind the trailer and the and the action behind the trailer. So I think it's going to come in around twenty eight, twenty nine, maybe thirty million. So he's it's still some decent value here at fourteen thousand seven hundred for James McAvoy. It's not even you know a fifth of your budget. So go for James McAvoy as a headliner in Atomic Blonde. Uh, and yeah, and and Killian Murphy, Killian Murphy from Dunkirk. I'm trying to tell y'all. I mean, word's gotten out. I think it got like what an A plus cinema score or something, A minus cinema score. It's 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 like that, and people are talking about it. It's in the zeitgeist. Made fifty million last weekend. It's bound to make probably another. Uh, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it had if it held if it only dropped forty percent, uh, you know, forty forty five percent. If it has a strong fifty five to six percent hold, expected to come in around the the mid to high twenties. So fourteen thousand four hundred might be a steal. For Killian Murphy, the cheaper priced of your two headliners from Dunkirk. Okay, so uh, co-starring, these are some values you want to look out for this weekend. Take it back to Girls Trip. I try to tell y'all, Girls Trip was <clears throat> like that. Thirty-one point two million its opening weekend. It's excellent. Uh, I bumped up their price just a smidge. I think it bumped up about $1,000 for each actor uh, based off the popularity and also based off the competition this weekend in the box office. At $11,000, Regina Hall is the cheaper of the two headliners. Uh, There's still some value here if it even holds 50% of its opening weekend. That would probably clock in around 15 to 17 million. I mean, the word of mouth is just ridiculous. It, it, it's so it's not out of the realm of possibility. It could even do 20 million. You might want to hedge your bets with some extra with another with another trip to Girls Trip this weekend. Uh, where else? Oh, Chris Pine from Wonder Woman. Yes. That old war horse, Wonder Woman, is still chugging along. Look, I had to scroll all the way down here. It is in its eighth week of release. It's its ninth weekend of release. It is still making money. It is a limited release now. And Sandy, you get one point per every half million in box office per actor in limited release. So on 1,500 screens, it's going to be one of the higher limited releases. <clears throat> uh, it's still It made, what, $4.6 last weekend, so it was good for like 9.22 points or 12.91 points for a headliner. So get you some Chris Pine in a lackluster weekend for limited release. Just go with what you know. He's only 8000 nice and affordable. <clears throat> um, and if you have to get just one limited release actor this week, I would highly advise for Chris Pine. Uh, and sadly, the part of our of our uh, uh, shot list is the cutting room floor. Skip these losers. Don't mess with these these movies because they are past their prime. Cars three. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's a movie without a country right now. If it stays in limited release, it's just too wide for its own good. It probably should be in platform. If it goes in the platform, it might have a shot, but right now I'm guesstimating it's going to be on 700 screens, which is 200 screens too much for a platform. So if it stays unlimited, definitely avoid Owen Wilson, Larry the Cable Guy at all in Cars 3. And then the Black Prince. This, man, this one really pissed me off. What happened to the Black Prince? It didn't even chart. Did it even open last weekend? Nobody knows. So since we had no box... Yeah, did, did, you, did you hear about the Black Prince? Nope. Yeah, exactly. No one's heard of it. I mean, and I don't even know if it even screamed, but we didn't get any box office data for it at the time we, we ended the game. So we had to go with the goose egg or the min score. So everyone who had the Black Prince, like myself, <laughs> only had one point per actor or 1.40 for 
for the headliners. So skip this movie. It's too unknown. It definitely will not be in next weekend's call, uh, talent pool because there's too many unknowns about this movie. Really annoying. Don't risk getting a minimum score. Uh, so this weekend, besides Dunkirk, Sandy, any movies you're going to go see? <laughs> uh, tomorrow, I'm going to go for the senior discount and see yeah. Baby Driver. Oh, yeah. That's a fun yeah. one. You'll enjoy that. If you like car chases and stuff, you'll enjoy that movie. Yeah. Good. Excellent. All right. So, oh, and that's the wrong page. There we go. So we are, we do an over-under around here. Sandy basically tried to guess, you know, the over-under of how movies are going to do at the box office. Uh, this weekend, our over-under is going to be going to be Atomic Blonde, and we're pegging the over-under at $30 million. What do you think, uh, Sandy? Is going to go over or under $30 million this weekend? I would say under. Okay, all right. And you know uh, what? Not because no, Girl Trip did what, 20 million? Yes. No, 31 million last weekend. Oh, 31 million? Yes. I'll say under for Atomic Blonde. Interesting. So, so why the correlation with Girl Trip? Those because one's like a really like hard R comedy and one's like a really hard R action movie. Because the build up for Girl Trip seemed like that's all I that's all I was seeing on Facebook, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you got good go, friends. You got, you got smart, Martin funny friends. Is, is saying, go see the movie, <laughs> you know. So, and and it, it almost became cultish, you know. Uh, uh, people Did were having girl trip, girl trip uh, parties or something, you know, where they would go in mosques. So I just, I, I haven't had that feeling about Atomic Blonde. Interesting. Now, now I went. I didn't have a girls' trip party. I went by myself after theater lock on Thursday. But uh, did you see girls' trip last weekend? Have you seen no. it yet? No, I haven't. It, uh, you should. I mean, well, I don't. I don't know. If, I mean, some movies aren't for everybody. But if you like a good, you know, R-rated comedy, it is right up in there. And it, it felt like a. It felt like a bit of like a like a reunion for me. I mean, you know, people. I, uh, I want to go see it because I saw the clip of. Uh, the one lady that's in it. Oh, Tiffany Haddish. Yes. Yeah, the, the one where she's on Jimmy Kimmel. Was it Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah. And she was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And then she said she was from South Central LA, where that's where I grew up. So oh, okay. I said, I'll go see it. No, she steals the show by far. Like all, all, of this, all the stuff where she's in the trailers, like, you can't get no affection in your booty hole. It's booty hole. She's like that the entire movie, and it is hysterical, just hysterical. So, yeah, I do recommend it. Uh, our results from last week's poll, 67% picked over $50 million for Dunkirk, including myself. And for a change, I was right. Yes. <laughs> we barely. It made 15.15 million. So we barely got the overwrite. Uh, and and uh, it look, it's poised to have another strong weekend, probably another $27, $28 million weekend for Dunkirk. I know it's probably going to get my money when I go see it in 70 millimeter. All right, and so that pretty much, you know, is is a wrap, Sandy. Okay. For landing. Uh, where can you find Cinema Draft? Go to cinemadraft.co to sign up for the free beta. Uh, we're in all the social medias, social media, uh, <laughs> including uh, medium.com uh, slash at cinemadraft. That is our corporate blog. And please subscribe to the podcast of iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast from also uh we are once again we are live this week games run uh at 10 p.m pacific time on thursday 
theater lock. When we lock in for the weekend, the, the release types and the theater counts, that happens at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday. It is free to play, feature presentation, $125 prize pool, $46 the first, totally free to play. And don't forget that $25 call sheet of the week bonus. Game ends uh, 4 p.m. on Mondays and fingers crossed, no hand scoring. Uh, hopefully if there is, it, the results will be done a few hours after that. Sandy, it's been a pleasure. Let, you know, let's, let's get to yes. the Give yourself a hand. I enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and anything you want to plug, Mr. Connoisseur of Leisure? Uh, nope. Uh, you know what? And, and you've earned yes. the right, damn it. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> to plug because you are living the life. You are living the dream. Uh, I'm going to uh, Bali in February, so I'll plug that. <laughs> All right. So y'all going to y'all plan to go to Bali in February? Holla at your boy Sandy Ward, Connoisseur of Leisure. Uh, and, and yeah, I think, and you're still out here in Vegas, right? Vegas yep. resident. Yeah, yeah outstanding. Yeah. That, that, that's how you retire folks. That's how you shut it down. Go to Vegas, go to Bali, hang out, watch cool movies, jump on a podcast every now and then raise good kids. All right. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Sandy. That's okay. our show for this week and everybody between now and the next podcast, y'all know what to do. Go see a movie or something.